Welcome to Pipitone Group's Integrate Thinking, the podcast where we share our perspective on the latest marketing trends, best practices, and tips to impact your business. Each episode, we will bring you engaging interviews from our team and other industry thought leaders to give you insight on how you can approach marketing communications to drive results. Let's meet today's guests. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pipitone Group Integrate Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Pyatt, and today we continue our two-part discussion with a panel of digital marketing and advertising experts. In the last episode, we discussed how to approach digital marketing and media buying as a part of an overall integrated strategy, as well as some of the benefits and the opportunities that digital advertising can create. But today, we're going to talk about design and content trends and challenges and best practices with uh, some creative minds behind digital ads that uh, you might see in your online world today. So let's meet our guests. To my right, I have uh, Hannah Grubau. She is a content strategist in, at the Pipitone Group and brings a wealth of experience and knowledge to social media advertising and digital advertising. And then Michael McCauley, he's our senior interactive designer here at the Pipitone Group, and he brings a deep understanding of digital design uh, in both in the competitive marketplace, both from a web standpoint as well as digital advertising. So uh, thanks so much for, uh, for taking the time to be here. And as a creative professional myself, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to give our listeners some ideas and some inspiration for their next round of digital advertising. So hey, uh, in every case on the Integrate Thinking, I do st- like to start this off a little light, with <laughs> a little bit of fun, you know, and I... Uh, also, I'm very, very well known for dad's humor. So, I, <laughs> it's, just true. as a little note to start us off, you know, do you know what religion and digital advertisers have in common? I have no idea. Yeah, they really want people to convert. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a ba-dump dump? Ba-dump dump, yes. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> let's dive into this. Hannah. With so many channels and advertising options out there, what are some considerations that you must think about when it comes to social media advertising versus native or programmatic? Well, hi, Jeff. (laughs) I think one of the main considerations that you need to think of is where this ad is going and who it's being served to. Um, When you're thinking about social specifically, you want your ad to feel non-intrusive. It needs to fit within the scope of whoever you're serving it to um, feed. So if you're serving it to moms, your ad is going to look and feel way different than if you were serving it to a business professional who only keeps business professionals in their feed, such as a Facebook versus a LinkedIn, where LinkedIn you would want the content to kind of feel more informative. It's more of an informational place where people are going to network and you want to feel like you belong in that feed. As opposed to native or programmatic, you're being put on any website. You may or may not know where the ad is showing up. So as long as you're targeting that audience, the message can kind of stay the same and it can kind of feel the same. But when you're thinking social, you want to feel more natural. You want to feel... Because once you become intrusive, that's when people start looking down on you um, because they feel like you're taking over their feed. 
Michael, how, how does that influence your thinking from a design standpoint when it comes to all of these different uh, delivery mechanisms? Well, you know, with the different ad spaces, you know, with your different audiences and your different users, you know, you want to make sure that, you know, you're keeping them in mind. You know, obviously there there is a general overall brand that you have for your company and your client, and you have to stay true to that. You can't just start using whatever color or whatever animation or whatever zip or zow that you think would attract someone's eye point. So you do need to, in, uh, in a sense, try and be, I don't want to say safe, but you do have to be a little bit more conservative as far as what you do visually. You want to make sure that it's going to generally work in as many places as possible. With you know a lot of these buys, you don't have as much room to do as many different variations of these ads that you would like to be able to do. So from that standpoint, it's just making sure that you keep these things visually clean because they will be on a cluttered page. And you want to make sure that there is a, a very nice clear hierarchy as far as, you know, what you want these people to do or what you're trying to say to them. So it's basically just trying to keep it as clear and concise as you possibly can. No, that's good. Uh, you know, there's an a, enormous amount of uh, differentiation between how these buys are, 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 are developed. And, you know, once you understand the digital buy and what the potential placements might be, how do you choose your design approach, you know, with deciding about video or animated or static or, you know, what are the kind of influences that help make those decisions? A lot of that does come down to the ad buy. There, I mean, with video, you generally have uh, the ability to st- tell a, you know, a more fluid story or, you know, have a more distinct end goal. Whereas, you know, with some of these different ad buys, you're selling a specific product. So you're trying to generally increase your click-through rates. In that case, you might consider using a static you know, image because generally that's going to be served up in the most places and the most websites and be able to hit more users. So just by a raw you know, number standpoint, you're going to get more people clicking through to potentially buy your thing. So a lot of that, unfortunately, does come down to ad buy. There are obviously, as a creative, so many things that you wish you could be able to do. But, you know, we have clients. We, we, we live in a real world. There's, this, you know, there's budgets. And unfortunately, or fortunately, you know, I always find these things to be a, a very fun puzzle because you get to be put into this little set parameters, you know, small sizes, small file size, you know, very small space. So you've got, like, CTA buttons, logos, branding, products, people. You've got so many things to put into a small space. And I think to be able to do that really well is very hard. So for me, it's always exciting, but, you know. Challenging nonetheless. Right. Yeah. Um, what are some of the challenges that you, you run into when designing for digital ads? As, as, as You know, those spaces, as you mentioned, get so small. Um, are there best practices? Are there things, approaches that you like to, like to use in, in making some of those decisions? Yeah, I mean, you think about, you know, personal experience when, on ads that, you know, work for you. So when I, you know, I'm looking at things, I tend to fall back. You know, there are best practices as far as keep it simple, have, keep your CTA button nice and clean and clear and not cluttered and not have words and people around it. You have a general, you know, place for everything. So for me, the ads that work the best are, you know, the ones, I don't want to say Apple, but I mean, I think like the culture in today's atmosphere as far as banner ads is keep it clean, keep it simple. You know, if there's a product, show the product. And if you have an offer, just say, 
here's your offer. If it's a sale, if there's a, you know, if it's new, I mean, you just keep it clean and quick and simple. Did that come through? No, I think that that's, uh, those are all really good recommendations. And I, I think the, uh, you know, when it comes to these decisions too, both from what the buy is and, and what types of things you really want to draw emphasis to, it, it, it does evolve out of sort of what the client's trying to accomplish and what are their KPIs. You know, I, I, I think that's, uh, you know, that, that certainly is going to influence a lot of the thinking and a lot of the things that you're able to do. So, Hannah, in that same regard, how do you think about, you know, shortening, uh, you know, a long product message to, to be socially friendly or to, to fit in a banner ad. I mean, that, that's the, every bit as challenging as what Michael faces. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things that I always forget personally, and I have to remind myself when I'm writing them, is for social media ads, you always have a character count. But for social media ads, you also are always showing the company name right at the beginning of the ad because it's coming from that company's page. So you don't always need to include that information when you're typing and taking that into consideration for character count. Um, That's also something that sometimes we have to explain and explain to clients is that, yes, you have your company name, you have your product name, you have the specific type of product that you're selling, your sales pitch, and your attributes that you want to include in 140 characters. At the very least, you can take out the company name when you're thinking about social media. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as when you're thinking about banner ads or anything like that, it's really distilling those key attributes taking the list of what the comp- the client really wants to speak about and distilling them into short kind of witty or within the company voice, um, distilling them into really little banner, <laughs> really little sentences um, in order to just really hammer that point across. And I'm of the school of thought that if you could, if you have four messages run four different ads. Don't try and squeeze them all into the same one because it's just going to be confusing. It's going to feel overwhelming. And I mean, Michael will kill you because you're asking him to put four messages on a teeny tiny square. So running those four different ads, at the very least, you get some A-B testing out of them so you can really understand what kind of message resonates with the audience that you're speaking to um, and what kind of ads to go to talk about going forward. Oh, that's it. Great. Are there any specific tactics that uh, you you like to employ to get users' attention uh, more so than others? Um, one of the things that I think is really important, especially when you have a small budget, is repurposing the content that you already have. Um, I know that there's a client of mine that has a bunch of 20 to 30 minute instructional videos and those would work so well if you edited that down into the most exciting 15, 30 seconds, use that as an ad and got people to click through to a landing page, got people to click through to a site because nobody wants to sit there and watch a 20 minute ad. (laughs) At the very least, you will get people to watch the couple minutes and get your awareness. And at the most, people are going to be upset that you are trying to serve them 20 minutes that they can't skip through to get to their YouTube video. So really uh, repurposing current content to make it social friendly, to make it what you have. If you have a great product image, 
get it down to the right size and focus on the right area of that image and add a great tagline to make a great display ad or something like that. Yeah, I mean, for me, social is, you know, handy as far as being able to reduce the clutter and space of these ads. I mean, a lot of them, Facebook, for example, has this, you know, don't put this amount of text over top of the image. And for, you know, designers, that's great for us because, you know, it really does open up what you're trying to show visually. So if you have a dynamic location that you're trying to get people to go to, or if you have a, a product that you're trying to sell people, I mean, you really open up showing that. And I think that's usually how people are going to connect once they're scrolling through these things really quickly is being able to see this and get a striking image or a striking visual. And, but you still are able to have that supporting text. Uh, what Han was saying, the logo, the companies above it, you have supporting descriptor company that has those CTA links on the outside. So it really does free up a lot of space for us. Yeah. Now, I think clearly social has a, at least a better opportunity to be a little bit more dramatic and a little mm -hmm. bit um, more communicative because you have Absolutely. That, you know, at least a few more characters that you can associate with an image to tell a story. Mm -hmm. and Oh, sorry. No, stepping on you. <laughs> no, I was going to say, it separates the fact of the image from the text. And while they relate to each other and that they should always be communicating to each other, it allows both a writer and a designer to really showcase the best of the message that you're trying to put across for your client. And that's what you were bringing up, Jeff, with like Facebook and the carousel, and the, they all support video. So to Hannah's point where shorter long form content, you want to be able to get things to people quickly. But some users, I mean, they might be really engaged with what you're trying to say or with the story you're telling so that you do have those carousel ads on Facebook, you can swipe through and get more of a story. Or if they want to have a video and it's not playing automatically, you can still have that frame in the post be, you know, a static JPEG, but still give the people option that, you know, if, if this story is compelling to you, or do you want to learn more about the product or hey, maybe I do want to fly to this spot. What else is available there? You can have them play so that they're, I, I always find it being able to serve, you know, serve both types of you know, content. If people want short form, give them short form, but, but if they give them the option for long, long form, and that's what you're seeing with movie trailers nowadays, which I always find really fascinating. You know, you, you want to watch the It Chapter 2 trailer and you click on YouTube video, you get that five second really quick, quick intro trailer that's not really the trailer and then you got the actual trailer following it up so that's they do that for a reason because they know that there's going to be at least some bit of a drop off after the first five or six seconds compartmentalizing the information mm -hmm. it's giving people the option to either engage or not engage as opposed to forcing them to engage with your ad or product choice or is anything. good yeah. yeah giving people choice well are there any of these tactics or strategies that that you might think of differently when it comes to B2B. Uh, is there things that you, uh, you know, there, there's certainly a lot of uh, B2C strategies being applied by businesses today. Absolutely. And uh, there's an absolute need to, but are there anything, thoughts that you have about really working with a, a, a B2B client? Personally, it's really just thinking about the personas, um, who you're targeting, because if you're working to a B2B client, they're going to care about your product in some way or another, wherever they are on the internet. But it's really just thinking about who you're targeting and what kind of message that is going to resonate best with them, because you want to be able to speak to them. Your product may be the perfect fit for whatever they need at their job, but unless you're making your product relevant to that need, 
they're not going to care. They're never going to click on it. They're going to forget your name. But if you're filling, if you're solving their problem in the ad that they currently have, then it makes it much more relevant, whether they see it on social, they see it on while well, they're scrolling through their sports blogs, or when they see it when they're on a trade publication website. Generally with your ad buy that you're targeting it very specifically. So people that are being served your ads are in that ecosystem and that mindset, whether they're an architect looking at, you know, glass companies, they're looking at, you know, turfing companies, you know, they're in that mindset so that when you're being served a relevant ad, the inherent chance of it being more relevant to them is obviously a much higher than of what most companies do where they're just blanketing most of the internet with buy our headphones. Yeah. I mean, B2B. Man, male and female, <laughs> age 18 to 47. All of them. <laughs> yeah. Everyone buy our Go. products. <laughs> but you can now really be targeted too with all these, the geo-targeting strategies and, and behavioral targeting. I mean, is that something from a B2B standpoint that you've experienced? The, yeah, I mean, I think we just did one a couple months ago where we had a trade show event for one of our clients and we were able to geotarget very specifically to the IP around the event building. So we were able to very narrowly focus the ad that we needed and the message that we wanted to be just these very specific people. And we knew that these people around this time at this this week are going to be seeing this thing so that we knew it that, that this is very specific to them so that we knew that, you know, we were going to have pretty good returns as far as click-through rates and impressions on that. Yeah. And it was very successful. And when you do something like that, you may feel like you're a little intrusive because your messaging is probably going to be more pointed as opposed to more natural. But you also have to think that that's the mindset that those people are in. If they're at a trade show and your product is relevant to that trade show, they're already thinking about solutions to whatever they're listening to in all of the forums and discussions. So seeing that ad isn't necessarily going to feel out of place when they're in that mindset. Right. Cause you can like, you know, they're at the event. So even with your messaging, you can be more playful and you can like say, Hey, you know, once you're done, come over here or check us out over here at this place or stop down the street you know, we'll have some relevant things once you're done at the event. I mean, there's, you know, it, it, that's going to catch somebody there saying, oh, I am here. They must, you know, there is a creepy factor to it, <laughs> but I think at this day and age, everyone's used to that. Yeah, I feel like the creepy factor was there for a little bit, but if you're tired, if you know that an architect is speaking about um, new zoning laws for glass on a building and you target around that time of the chat and everybody that's there gets your ad about the glass that you're selling that solves all these building code changes. Perfect. Yeah. That's the best way to target things like that is when you're, you can get hyper specific, which is so nice from content and creative. Yeah. No, that's uh that's certainly a lot more strategic and maybe feels a little more natural to the, to the people accepting the ads. So. Mm-hmm. Unlike the, you just seem to think about a product these days and the ad will all of a sudden show up on your phone. I, mm. I, <laughs> Google's in your head. <laughs> they're listening it's to a, everything. It's, very, it's very, very creepy. Well, I mean, anything, anytime you can tailor an ad and you know it's going to be super relevant to the person, you, you, there's so many more liberties because you can tailor the design, the visuals, the messaging. I mean, everything can be very narrowly focused to make sure that it's going to resonate as well as it can. Yeah. And I think with time and budget, that's possible for everybody and in every situation, but it's always a time and budget and it's not necessarily the best way to get the most bang for your buck. Well, 
My last question, really, I directed to both of you as well. Um, you know, is, is there anything that either of you would like to add, uh, sort of, to end our conversation? Any any additional trends that we haven't talked about, or industry changes that we could be looking and looking forward to, or being afraid of, or, <laughs> <laughs> or any key takeaways that uh, you want to leave with the audience? I think as far as trends are concerned, um, unless you have the ability and the infrastructure to hop on them and execute them quickly and they don't become your entire marketing plan, then that's great. But once they start influencing every decision that you're making when it comes to your marketing and your digital marketing strategy, that's when it becomes dangerous because Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, even Google, they change their algorithm almost daily and you never know what they're going to start optimizing for next. So um, an example is the place that I used to work decided to optimize all of our social strategy towards video, every single thing, because Facebook was optimizing video. They said video is the future. And then all of a sudden overnight that changed. And we were stuck with hundreds of different videos for the future use that was no longer relevant because Facebook changed. So what I learned out of that and what I think is a really big takeaway is to trust your own analytics, trust what you're seeing works best for the audience that you're serving it to, and don't necessarily trust what Facebook quote unquote recommends because they may not understand your audience as well as you do. Yeah. No, that's an excellent point. I think... When it comes to trends in general, uh, it, it, it couldn't be a better case to be made for making it an integrated campaign. You mm -hmm. know, digital is one solid component, but uh, you know, committing all your eggs to any one basket, I don't think is a, is a good strategy. Ever. Yeah, I mean, digital advertising or banner advertising, it's just, I feel like inherent advertising problems are even amplified for dis like display advertising. You've got... People's attention spans are shorter than ever. I think I was reading recently that it's eight seconds and maybe end up being shorter, which I think is less than a goldfish's attention span. So that's something, that's what we're up against right now. So not only do you have that, you've got ad blockers, which are becoming more and more prevalent. And then, uh, and even on that, there's a thing called banner blindness, which is just in everyone's inherent ability to just not even see things on their web page. So like there might be a banner and it might be flashing at you, but we have a very good innate ability to just not even see it. So not only is getting to people's eyes a giant hurdle, but you know, you also want to make sure you are relevant because if it's not relevant, they're going to just ignore it even faster. So I think with what Google is doing right now with their machine learning and their AI is going to be very interesting to help push things into more relevant users, you know, viewpoints. And, uh, they just, uh, not recently, but recently in digital technology terms, they have their responsive display ad tech that they're doing with their AdWords. So being able to, so what the, the gist of it is, is being able to have your campaign and being able to have a slew of different puzzle pieces that can all be kind of put together into an ad. So whether or not you have a block of images, a block of different headlines and a block of different description copies, Google is able to use, you know, all of that advanced learning that they have and be able to say this person on this page is going to resonate better with this image, this headline, and this description, and they're able to put that together themselves and put it on there. And it's going to be able to, to you know, potentially have a, blood, a better success rate as far as you know, an awareness or a click-through rate. And they can do that, you know, much quicker, much easier, much faster than 
unfortunately, any agency team is going to be able to do. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, you think about all the time it frees up so that, you know, the, all of this is being done for you and you're, it's going to be super successful. You're able to focus your creative on other aspects for your client. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think we were kind of talking about it a little before about just relevancy and being relevant to the audience. I mean, I don't care that Google listens to me because they serve me the ads that I actually am looking for. If I'm looking for a new dress for a wedding, they're going to serve me an ad for dresses that I may not have thought about, um, which is a great example. <laughs> but I think that what Michael is kind of saying is that with the banner blindness, because He's right. I looked at web pages all day and cannot remember a single ad I've been served, even though I know I've been served them. Right. Um, being able to see an ad that's actually relevant to a discussion I had earlier that day or a search that I did a week ago is it kind of takes you out of that to be like, oh, wait, that's actually solving the problem that I was thinking of earlier. And it even catches your eye. I mean, you think about how numb we are. We get served something that's actually relevant to what we're doing in our careers or in our life. It's like, oh, man, I was just thinking about that. So you're more, I think, more receptive to actually interact with the ad. Yeah. You know, the interesting part of it, when you start to talk about the, the programmatic uh, complexities that Google's been bringing to the game here with this responsive type of thing, it, all it really does, though, is create more of a challenge from an agency standpoint to be able to create that relevant content to those various audiences and really be strategic enough about it to, mm -hmm. to, to work with that technology. So... You know, it doesn't it doesn't minimize the problem. I think it, mm -hmm. it, it's it's even creating a higher level of complexity, which, you know, that's that's uh, we all have to deal with here with this industry evolving. Right. right. I think it'll um, be really interesting to see any of the takeaways that Google has once it they have enough test subjects on how many images you actually need to make it yeah, work to, well to and work how well many enough. headlines and how many descriptor texts, because it comes back to what you were saying. It becomes an even harder problem to make sure that all of those puzzle pieces do not only fit together when they're all lined up, but also fit together when they're all switched around. And no, absolutely. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, that's difficult, but I mean, you think about that and then, you know, we're talking about having that personal touch. Like, can, can you have that amount of flexibility while still maintaining a bit of a personal touch that I think most people are, are getting used to with their ads and are actually wanting in their advertising. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's absolutely true. Well, I think that's a good note to, to end it on, actually. I, I really, uh, you know, I appreciate uh, the time and, uh, you know, the thinking that you guys have, uh, have brought to the table here today. Um, Thank you for having us. Yes, Thank you. It's, uh, it's nice to be able to add the whole creative challenge to, to digital advertising to this conversation because it is formidable and uh, it, those challenges aren't going to diminish, I don't believe. So, uh, okay. We uh, appreciate it and uh, forward to the next opportunity. This wraps up today's episode of Integrate Thinking, recorded in Pipitone Group Studios, high atop Pittsburgh's Observatory Hill. Pipitone Group is an integrated marketing agency with over 25 years of experience. We offer a unique culture of collaborative thinking using a creative and holistic approach to marketing that influences behaviors and impacts business. Our clients include a variety of B2B and B2C businesses, including Presbyterian Senior Care Network, Vitro Architectural Glass, Sloan, People's Natural Gas, and VBA. Let's help you optimize your marketing communication strategies to alter behaviors and impact business. 
If you like our show and want to learn more, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Spotify. You can also listen by visiting our podcast page at pipitonegroup.com. Hope you have an integrate day.